what, what customer behaviors drove higher customer lifetime value. And among the things that we found year in, year out was that buying high quality brands at a, at a strong or competitive price um, and received in good condition maximize lifetime customer value. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Ad Project Podcast. Um, today, I'm super excited to have John Durkitz on as a guest. He works with Forum Brands, and they really work on acquiring really high-quality brands and then building up those businesses. And so, John, just wanted to introduce you to the Ad Project uh, audience. Maybe can you just give a quick overview on yourself, your background, and then you know key things that, that you guys are working on? On it, farm brands. Yeah, thanks, Joe. I'm really happy to be here. And and before I jump into myself and form brands, I gotta say, I donned my form brands hat, my form brands shirt, I expecting that I you were gonna it. wear your ad advanced shirt. I wanted to one up <laughs> you, but it looks like you're you're rocking another brand today. So yeah. next podcast, we can have a swag battle. There um, you go. I like that. I like that. We have to get some hats. We've got our shirts. So I up. Uh, well, you have a, a nicer head of hair than I do. I'm, I'm covering up all of the hair that I lost <laughs> from my time at Amazon. But yeah, no, excited to be here. Just a little bit of uh, a background on us at Forum. We are in the FBA aggregator space. I'll talk a little later about my personal point of view on that term. But for better or worse, we are lumped into that category. Our business is to strategically buy and build Amazon FBA businesses turn them into category leaders. You know, we've in the past called ourselves kind of a PNG meets Palantir type company. And I'll get into what I mean by that. But uh, fundamentally, we are kind of private equity applied to the Amazon at asset class with, you know, a dash of technology and data science in there. It, it's an exciting space to be in. Obviously, it's blown up. The investment community is very bullish on us and many others. And for the past two, two and a half years, this has been kind of, as a former manager at Amazon called it, the, the next evolution of the Amazon marketplace, the, the professionalization of the Amazon marketplace, the, the brand builder epic, if you will. Yeah. We operate in, in the FBA ag aggregator space. My own story is that I came from Amazon. In, in a past life, I was a management consultant. So I sometimes still call myself a recovering management consultant, but you know, the, the bread and butter of my training and my professional development really happened at Amazon. I led the third party marketplace for consumer electronics on the Amazon Canada side of the business, which was a really interesting place to develop within Amazon. I'll, I'll spare you the details on, on kind of the, the intercompany dynamics at Amazon and suffice it to say that Canada as much as we think of it as a, a developed country, Amazon Canada itself was an emerging marketplace. And so myself, my team were really a, a startup group within Amazon fighting to, to kind of match and, and be spoken about in the same sentence as our bigger brother, amazon.com. Sure. Um, the beauty of our marketplace was there was a pretty well-defined playbook established by the amazon.com team years earlier that we could follow in growing. And so a lot of what we did was launch features to help third-party sellers scale their businesses, um, features like North American Remote Fulfillment, Subscribe and Save, Seller Fulfilled Prime. Those all came out of my team during my time at Amazon. I, I will say that I think 
where I had a little latitude and this was probably the aspect of my role that I most enjoyed was I really got to interact with sellers a lot. The nature of Amazon Canada is, is and, and was that sellers kind of considered it an afterthought. They didn't necessarily want to prioritize resources there. In a, in a world of limited time and resources, their focus was better spent on .com or maybe Europe. My role and my team's role was to recruit a lot of sellers to Amazon Canada. And one of the ways we did that was to give them kind of the, the TLC that they didn't get from anyone else at Amazon. Sure. So my, my, my competitive dif differentiation as an Amazon employee was that I would talk to sellers. I would talk to them a lot. I would engage with them a lot. I would empathize with them. I would be their advocate. One of the, the things that I take pride in is, you know, customer obsession lives deep within me. I often talk about it's the lasting scar from my time at Amazon, Sure. but sellers were my customers. Customer is a term that is often very narrowly interpreted. I think there's a broader interpretation that really unlocks the power of it. And, you know, for me, looking out for my sellers, advocating for them, empowering them to grow was probably the highlight of my time at Amazon. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to stumble into a, a, a subsequent career that still lets me engage with sellers, help them build, help them start the next chapter of their lives by, by taking their business off their hands, but continuing their legacy. Sure. So uh, I'm, I'm pumped to be in the place that I am. I'm pumped to be at Forum. And I'm sure we'll kind of get into the nature of, of this market and, and how we have our own kind of special flavor of acquisition at Forum. Yeah, yeah. And, and so some of the key things that we're looking to, that I think would be really helpful too is, I mean, first off, just giving us a background on kind of the, we'll, we'll say the aggregator space. And you can, you can tell me why you don't like that as much. <laughs> and then, you know, some other key activities or action items that we can get into is like, how do people who are looking to potentially sell their brands really help to increase their valuation or help to set themselves apart? And then, how do you kind of tie out and figure out who to reach out to if you're looking to sell your brand? So, you know, just kind of a wide range of items just to give you a preview on some things that we're going to cover. But maybe let's start with the first question is like, kind of walk us through what the aggregator space is and what you guys are doing. Uh, and you can give me your own spin at Forum Brands and how you guys are doing it too. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to use the explanation that I give my mom who has always struggled throughout my career to explain what I'm doing. Sure. Yep. Yep. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> you know, I, I, the, the FBA aggregator space is fundamentally a, a new kind of 2020 version of the FBA or, or the, the private equity roll-up strategy that has existed for decades. There are businesses like ourselves who deploy capital toward buying businesses and then turning around and operating them. That is, that is the very basic nature of, of this space. It has been labeled though FBA aggregators because some of the early players have in a very short period of time acquired or aggregated dozens, if not hundreds of brands, sure. which is an outstanding um, achievement and has really paved the way for this industry to grow. It, it's been kind of a great proof of concept for the investment community but the reason I don't like the term aggregator is because that's one strategy within this overall market. It's currently viable and it remains to be seen over the long term, 
whether just amassing hundreds of Amazon businesses and benefiting from just the basic concept of portfolio diversification, whether that succeeds sure. long-term. Sure. But that is fundamentally the aggregator strategy. Just like in our own individual investments, uh, you can pursue diversification, hope that the ups in one sector outweigh the, the declines in other sectors. That, that strategy, again, is, is followed by a lot of players. Certainly, there's enough capital to support uh, rapid acquisition of brands and, and compiling a very large portfolio that balances itself. Uh, I think there's another strategy, which is really where, where we live, and that is uh, kind of strategic investment, focused investment. We dabble in really only about a half dozen categories. Uh, we're, we're really focused on consu consumer durables. Um, in some cases, these are pretty unsexy categories, unsexy products, but they're sure. products that you and I and, and our friends and family have in their homes and buy repeatedly over time. And, and among the, the kind of Amazon thinking that is injected, found its way into our DNA, it's long-term thinking. So we buy brands through the lens of, will these products have demand that that durably exists five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. Sure. And it, it's a slightly different approach. It's a, a slightly different way of thinking about who we target for acquisition and how we ultimately make buying decisions. Um, it's, it's probably a approach that requires a little more discipline in the investment process, which I like to think we have, but nevertheless, it's a strategy that it's starting to play out. I've talked with a lot of reporters and, and institutional investors over the past 18 months, and I try to distinguish the, the, the continuum of strategies. And I think I'm finally kind of making my mark there, um, but it's, it's exciting. This is kind of the, the next evolution of our very nascent industry where brands, businesses like us, uh, start to distinguish our strategies and um, give ourselves a, a, a more focused set of of sellers to to target. Sure. So, so when you're analyzing it, and if we look at the different strategies, so like the pure aggregator strategy is more of a like a diversification play. So, I'm going to buy a bunch of different brands, and now that they're all bundled together, the volatility for any one of these individual brands is going to be dampened. So, the overall value increases. Whereas you guys are looking at more of a longer term play and really trying to build out these brands and increase the values from them versus just trying to acquire a bunch of different brands to diversify. Is that, is that an okay summary? You, you nailed it. That's, that's kind of the, the strategy spectrum in a nutshell. Sure. And there's probably, there will probably be more strategies that emerge over time. Yeah. There might be the, the buy and, and flip quickly strategy that, that pops sure. up. I think we're already starting to see some consolidation in this industry, aggregation of aggregators. Yeah. And, and so, you know, for maybe some of these players that are already in this space, their, their outlook is more short-term and they're looking to acquire a portfolio and then, then get merged in, get acquired by a larger aggregator. Sure. So I think we'll see the strategic, continue to see the strategic evolution of this space. And I'm excited to watch it unfold. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we were just at Prosper and it is amazing the amount of capital that's flowing into the space as a whole too. I mean, you're seeing different, different yeah. aggregator companies, whatever their strategy is that are popping up all over the place too. And so, you know, it's a great time to be a seller in Amazon because you have a lot of different avenues too, if you're looking to sell your business. One, one thing that, that you touched on a bit, and I want to dig into a little bit deeper is how you were kind of touching on where like Amazon is kind of focusing on some of these larger, better products. It seems like the competition for the top spots is getting a lot harder overall. Is that what you're seeing too? Amazon shifting their focus just from overall catalog quantity to quality and those big brands that have really established themselves are going to increase their value in sales and everything longer term. Yeah. And that's a, an undercurrent that started to emerge when I was at Amazon and I was probably partly responsible sure. for it for a long time. You know, you, you are, are probably familiar with the Amazon flywheel, but for your listeners, selection, pricing, and convenience, you know, those are the, the core aspects of Amazon's flywheel or virtuous cycle as it's sometimes called. And myself, my other marketplace counterparts almost exclusively focused on growing selection quantity. Sure number of items in the catalog. We reached a point in in our kind of life cycle for Amazon Canada where we recognized that quantity wasn't the right focus anymore and we needed to shift to selection quality. And one aspect of quality is, is pricing. One aspect of quality is convenience. Is it an FBA or available for, for fast free shipping? And then another aspect of quality is uniqueness. And of course, Amazon wants every brand to, to have a presence there. There are a lot of high profile holdouts that have existed in the past that will exist in the future. But they, at the end of the day, most products seem to find a way onto Amazon's marketplace. And I think from Amazon's perspective, that high quality head selection is critically important. It's where I focus my time. It's where I know my marketplace counterparts focused their time because it's what drives traffic and probably more importantly for Amazon typically drives prime member signups. There were, you know, countless metrics that we, we monitored internally at Amazon, one of which looked at kind of customer lifetime value and what actions, what, what customer behaviors drove higher customer lifetime value. And among the things that we found year in year out was that, Buying high quality brands at a, at a strong or competitive price and received in good condition, maximize lifetime customer sure. value. That was among the many reasons that we focused on head selection, uh, really tried to ensure that the brands that customers were searching for were, were, were available on Amazon and easily findable, easily discoverable. Sure. Yeah. And we've really, and, and in some ways, we've really seen that on the, the client or the seller side too, where it seems like, you know, those top products that have established themselves with the highest quality at a great price, um, they're really hard to unseat at the top spot because they have this established sales history and they built up that good reputation over time. And so those, those spots are becoming more and more coveted. And for newer sellers who are in the game, it's getting harder and harder to get those spots, um, which makes it even a more competitive marketplace, but it also really increases the values, the value of those top brands that are, are achieving that. It is. And this may be, 
kind of gets into what aggregators or acquirers look yeah. for in, in some yeah, of these businesses. I, I think to, to maybe oversimplify, all acquirers are looking at brands through three lenses, financial profile, operating opportunity, and market potential. And we all have our own flavor of how we look at that. We all have our own way of sourcing brands that meet those criteria, but ultimately that's kind of what they're looking for. So for, for the, the brands, the sellers that you work with, the ones that might be listening and are maybe thinking about selling, which you know, we'll maybe get into that as well. Like those are the areas where as an acquirer, the focus is going to be both during early due diligence and then once a letter of intent is signed and acquirers are getting under the hood. Um, on the financial profile, wide variance here, and we're, we're starting to see the emergence of acquirers who are focused on smaller brands, real micro brands that are maybe only a year, year and a half old, but have shown some traction, maybe have gotten to a half million a year in revenue. There's the competition for buyers varies along the continuum of, of brand size. And there's a pocket that is sub 1 million where you see, you're starting to see increased uh, acquisition activity. Sure. But I would say for the most part, acquirers like us are targeting brands that are doing more than a million a year in revenue, have healthy gross margins, healthy EBITDA margins or seller discretionary earnings. There's different ways it'll be defined, but ultimately the bottom line cash flow. Um, and if, if you're growing top line, but losing money, seeing degrading margins, that's going to get priced into an ultimate sale. And we'll, we'll, I'll maybe table that for a minute to talk about what a seller can do if they're in that particular circumstance or thinking about yeah, a sale. Yeah. And before um, we even hit that too, like what do you, what, what's your thoughts on somebody who's looking at the Amazon marketplace and looking to get into it today? like as a brand new seller? I, I, I had a discussion on LinkedIn months back, sort of surrounding this topic and it related to a popular seller tool out there. And the, the question posed was, is this a good tool for, for sellers? And my nuanced answer was generally yes, but it's not something I would recommend to someone just starting sure. out. And I, I don't want to, to disparage anyone or, or name the tool, but the, the crux of my point of view was, I think there's a lot of great Amazon software tools. There's a lot of great agencies out there. Uh, I think they give sellers, new sellers, a false sense of the probability of success on Amazon. That, that probability is still very low. I've seen tons of sellers crash and burn. It is, make no mistake, it is difficult out there. And as as large as the marketplace is, as many thousands, tens of thousands of sellers are out there that are making more than a million a year in revenue, it's a hard slog to get yeah. there. Yeah. It, it starts with carving out the right niche, which again, there, there are some great tools to help you find that. But once you have the product, you absolutely need to have a strong operational foundation. And I think that that's where a lot of sellers fail. Um, they, they fail because they don't have the capabilities to do it themselves. 
They fail maybe because they've outsourced it and all of a sudden those those agency costs start to rack up and eat into their bottom line and suddenly they're taking out loans to fund the business. They they fail because they don't have kind of strong supply chain relationships or haven't invested in those relationships. Uh, so, you know, if you, you think about the steps needed to launch on Amazon, finding the right product, which is, is maybe a little easier on the, the difficulty spectrum, but really establishing a strong operational foundation is where I, I tend to see the most failure. Yeah. After that, building a brand, dialing up efficient advertising, those are kind of higher on the pyramid of success. I don't tend to see a lot of failures there, especially because there's some great partners out there like you guys at AdAdvance that can really help on the advertising side, on the branding side. Um, but you, you can't do your work. You can't work your magic if, if a company a brand is not staying in sure. stock is is not able to offer fast free delivery there there are kind of prerequisites to being being able to build a brand run effective advertising on amazon and that's where i tend to see the most failures yeah, yeah. and i mean just personally like starting as a seller so looking at the marketplace between 2014 when i started and now i mean it is dramatically more competitive and more complex in pretty much every yep. scope so we, we see people who are succeeding all the time on Amazon who have just started, but there's a lot more complexity that's involved and you need some of those key factors like you talked about to really get going and to establish yourself in today's marketplace with the competitiveness that we're seeing. So yeah, there's, there's a lot of pieces to take into account, know that you can start, but it's much more complex today. <laughs> and so, so yep. for those brands who have established themselves or who are looking to build up their brand to sell. So what's kind of the foundation and the key pieces that you see that really set some of these brands apart and make them, you want them to join forum brands because they're looking so solid. Like, like what, what should brand owners do to set themselves up for a successful sale? Yeah. So I think as a general matter, the advice that I like to, to give sellers and people in my network is to begin with the end in mind. You know, that's a Stephen Coveyism, but it's, it's really, useful and relevant here. If you're getting into the Amazon space, or maybe you're in it and you're suddenly excited about selling your business, start having conversations now with, with us, with other acquirers. Uh, spoiler alert, we love talking to sellers. And, you know, it, it's obviously in our interest to build relationships with sellers, but you can get some early feedback, even if your business isn't of the size that kind of meets an acquirer's criteria. Uh, around what it would take to make your business attractive. And on that basis, you can spend the next six months, 12 months, 18 months course correcting and investing in those areas that would make your, your business really appealing and in turn increase the, the valuation. You know, it, obviously, I, that's my point of view, and it's, it's heavily influenced by one of our ethos at, at Forum, which is test and learn. But... For a seller, I, th I think you should test the market at regular intervals and learn what, how acquirers are valuing your sure. company, where they see opportunity, where they see weakness, and then go heads down and work to correct those things. So begin with the end in mind, I, I think is just great general guidance 
for a seller that is maybe starting out, maybe has a year of operating under them and, you know, is thinking ahead as to what they do with this business in, in two, four, five years. So that, that's kind of my main piece of advice. The, the other and maybe more nuanced is make sure your brand is brilliant at the basics. I talk about this a lot, and <laughs> this was one of the coaching tips that I always gave sellers at Amazon, but I define the basics on Amazon as kind of the four A's. Number one and most important is availability. Do you have a consistent track record of your products being available, not out of stock? And that gets back to that operational foundation that I talked about. An acquirer that sees a spotted track record, spotted in stock track record, is potentially going to undervalue you because you didn't earn sales during that period. Therefore, they can't price it in to the valuation. Some acquirers will make attempts to price it in in good faith. We certainly often make adjustments for out of stock, particularly when there's macro events that we know an otherwise operationally sound brand was impacted by. But are your products available? Second one is, is your advertising sound and run relatively efficiently? And, and this is kind of where, where you guys at AdAdvance can really drive a lot of value for a brand that's thinking about selling. What we like is a brand that has strong advertising history, has had campaigns running for a long time that have built up relevance in the auction market that are hitting efficiency KPIs that are roughly in line with the market that are advertising in a way that it, it fuels organic rank and organic sales, because ultimately that's kind of the, the goal mm -hmm. of paid sales, right? To, to feed that um, other side of the flywheel and create a virtuous cycle. So we want to we want to see brands that have kind of strong advertising foundations. At the same time, we also like brands that have strong advertising foundations, but maybe the efficiency isn't there, or maybe the spend isn't there, because that's where we can bring our operational capabilities or our capital to bear and drive early wins, you know, depending on the brand, depending on the acquirer, having really efficient advertising might be a, a feature, might be a bug, but certainly having a track record of advertising is, is kind of a, a basic that I talk about that I think sellers that are contemplating a sale should be focused on. The, the third A in my being brilliant at the basics is account health. Um, Black hat tactics are, are pretty prevalent on Amazon. And especially with the capital that is flowing into this space, it's very tempting for a seller to, to buy reviews, um, to do things that are maybe in the gray areas of Amazon's terms of service and in order to elevate their, their organic rank or to, to show sales for a product that otherwise doesn't have a strong demand. Uh, any good acquirer is going to sniff that out. And, you know, it, it's not always obvious that those things are happening. Amazon doesn't always detect it. So you're not going to see it in performance notifications. You're not going to see it in account health dashboards. We take a data-driven approach to kind of evaluating account health, but as a seller, you know, my, my guidance to you is 
if you've done things that are against Amazon's terms of services or are maybe kind of gray hat, number one, stop them. And number two, be open about them with acquirers because the smart ones are going to figure it out. Um, but account health is critical. It's a critical basic of, of running a brand on Amazon. While you're while you own the brand, obviously listings going down, your account being suspended, that's lost sales. Um, and, and the amount of lost sales can can quickly accumulate because you know you're a seller, uh, Joe. You you know how it is dealing with seller performance yep. and um, <laughs> seller support. It, it, it's a mixed yep. bag. And then the the fourth A in my basics is analytics. So knowing the numbers of your business, being aware of trends, particularly those trends in customer behavior. I think that's where we get excited as an acquirer. You know, there's always so much great knowledge transfer from sellers, but the ones that, you know, are, are very fluent in market baskets and re repeat purchase behavior and have turned those insights into operational decisions like enrolling products in subscribe and save or creating virtual bundles. If you can do that as a seller, it not only helps your sales and, and makes you a more attractive target, but during the diligence process, it, it creates a very favorable impression and at the margin might inflate your valuation a little bit because I think all acquirers, and I'm speaking very much for form in this regard, we wanna buy from founders that are, are strong operators, that, that strong owners. Uh, that know the business because we see so much potential not only in taking over a business that's buttoned up but also in partnering with that founder over time to learn to, to tap into the wealth of knowledge that it that they've accumulated over time so that's a long-winded way of answering your question but begin with the end in mind and be brilliant at the basics are my two pieces of advice to to the sellers looking at uh selling yeah, their brand that was awesome for people who are ready to sell their brand or want to start reaching out, like how to, what, what's the best way to get in contact? Is it just going through the website or like, how, how would you recommend for somebody who's looking to sell their brand? What, what do they do next? Yeah. I think nearly every acquirer, ourselves included, have a web, website with a contact form. We get a lot of inbound requests, especially now that we've become a little more public. We were heads down for a long time building out our tech and data science platform. Um, but best way to reach us is formbrands.com. Fill out the contact us form. I love talking to sellers, even though my principal role is on the operations side. I, I love being a resource for the small guy because that was always what I did at Amazon. And for better or worse, that's just a part of who I am. So people can email me directly, john at formbrands.com, J-O-N, not J-O-H-N. And I'm happy to talk to them one off or, or connect them with people on our M&A team to explore sale. But like I said, I think, I think smart owners will have multiple conversations before they ultimately sell. And acquirers like us are pretty open to having those conversations, to giving really even-keeled guidance, advice, and just honest and transparent feedback on whether the brand is ready, whether it meets our criteria. I know in particular, one of the things we pride ourselves on on the M&A side is we're very disciplined, which means we stick to our, our, our focus areas, our investment thesis. Um, and we have a lot of conversations with sellers that and brands outside of that, but we also wanna be a resource to the seller community. So we do that. Um, 
without giving any expectations that we are the buyer, but really to be to be helpful, to be a resource. And then at the same time, we just re remain disciplined and act quickly on the brands that, that do fit our criteria that, that go through our, our diligence process. Sure. sure. Yeah. And I'll just have to say too, like we will get to work with a lot of sellers. I just had to put a plug in for forum brands too. If you are looking to sell your brand, they, these guys have, they do great operationally, but they've also got just an awesome team to work with just from a personality perspective. So like you're, I mean, John's being fully like, transparent and honest like yeah they, they are honestly looking to help sellers so if you're in that phase where you're starting to consider selling your brand like i i would definitely encourage you to reach out to forum brands just based off of what i've seen personally joe you're you're very kind and i love that you think so highly of the team i as, as someone continuing to build our team core to my ethos is first who then what there are a lot of strong amazon operators out there a lot of strong e-commerce operators out there but important to us at Forum is that we're we're selecting who the the who's for our team that that fit our principles that kind of align to our shared ethos around supporting founders, building founder legacies, and so it, it's really great to hear you speak so highly of the team. It makes me feel like I did something right in you know our short for existence. Sure. For sure, yep, and we're totally aligned on that too. Hire for culture first, and you'll build an awesome yep. team. So. John, right. thank you so much for joining the podcast. Ton of great insights, ton of great information for different sellers. So again, it was awesome having you on. Yeah, pleasure to be here, Joe. Hope we can yeah, do this again. Man.